gratitude pleases and glorifies God, and he is pleased then to reveal more of himself to us. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. We're going to do some celebrating here today, folks. So uh, I want you to be thinking about those things for which we can give uh, thanks here today. You know, at first I want to start off by putting this little expression. You have probably have seen this expression here before. We talk sometimes about celebrating Christmas in July, right? Christmas in July. But, you know, as I thought about that earlier this week, I thought, you know, there may actually be a biblical precedent for Christmas in July, if you really think about it. Because if Jesus was born in the spring, which many Bible scholars think is likely, sorry folks, he was not born on December 25th. I know a lot of us think that maybe, but no. He was more likely born in the spring. And if he was born in the spring, then likely he would have been conceived in the summer. And so perhaps it is indeed appropriate to celebrate Christmas in July. But we are not going to celebrate Christmas in July today. Our focus lies elsewhere, so we might call this one Thanksgiving in July. Thanksgiving in July. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking, I can see it in your eyes already. You're already thinking, wait a minute. If it's Christmas in July, then shouldn't it be Christmas in June right? Okay, come on. Who was thinking that? Christmas in June. Okay, was it just me? Okay, maybe it was just me that was thinking that. So, okay, technically, yes, it probably should be. If it's Christmas in July, it probably should be Christmas or Thanksgiving in June. But since the current month we're in is July, we're going to go with July for Thanksgiving here then. But here's the thing. Giving thanks, though, giving thanks is not something to be done only once a year on a holiday, is it? How often should we give thanks? Every day, right? Always, every day. And so that's what we are going to do then. We're going to give thanks today. We are continuing in our series here, Unique, the Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a harmony of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels put together to tell the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been following the events as suggested in this book by John MacArthur called One Perfect Life. For so today then, we are looking in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 21. Luke 17, verses 11 through 21. And our question here is, where are the nine? Where are the nine? But what is the big idea? What is the big idea? What do I want us to take away from our message here today? Well, it is this, that gratitude... Gratitude pleases and glorifies God. Gratitude pleases and glorifies God, and he is pleased then to reveal more of himself to us. Have you ever thought about gratitude in that way? First of all, see, he is certainly worthy of it, right? He is worthy of our our gratitude and our praise. It brings honor to him. It pleases him. It glorifies him. 
But did you know, with a heart of gratitude, then we are opening ourselves up for him to reveal more of himself to us then when we do that. So gratitude pleases and glorifies God, and he is pleased then to reveal more of himself to us. So we'll be looking in Luke 17, verses 11 through 21, but first a little context here. Uh, Not too long before this, Jesus had raised Lazarus as a powerful demonstration of his identity and his mission. And he had declared that he is the resurrection and the life, and that all who believe in him, even though they die, they would live in him. And if they live in him, they would never truly die eternally. So when Jesus raised Lazarus, as a result of that powerful miracle, everyone, including all the Pharisees then, believed in him, right? No, no, they did not. In fact, the Pharisees sought all the more to kill the Lord of life. But it was not yet time for Jesus to die. So he departed that region near Jerusalem, and he went back north for a time to Galilee. And he is now then, in our text, he's on his way back toward Jerusalem in preparation for the time when he will give his life on the cross. And as he is heading south toward Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, As many of you may know, uh, the Jews and the people of Samaria, the Samaritans, uh, they didn't really love one another. They they weren't best best friends, were they? In fact, there was a lot of mutual antagonism between the two. And Jews hated, some of the Jews, unfortunately, they hated the Samaritans. They saw them, they looked with contempt upon them, thinking they were religious half-breeds then. The Samaritans were descendants of Jews who, had, uh, who earlier than when the Assyrians had invaded the northern kingdom of Israel, they had intermarried with some of it, and the Samaritans were the offspring of them, the descendants of them. And so the pure Jews had no use then uh, for the Samaritans, and they had also incorporated some wrong religious practices as well then. So there was a lot of antagonism between them. And so many of the Jews, in fact, would avoid even traveling through Samaria. But of course, that didn't bother Jesus, did it? He would (laughs) travel right through there, and he dealt with Samaritans all the time. Now, our text then for for today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. But before we get that, I find it interesting, uh, this theme that we see immediately before our passage in Luke 17. And that's found in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. We looked at this um, a a couple weeks ago. But listen to what Luke tells us there. He says, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. 
So here Jesus was telling that, that for his servants then, that he is expecting, if we're going to truly be his disciples, then we need to obey what he tells us to do. And so he says this, and like the question here is, does, does the master give thanks to the servants? No, they are doing their job, right? They're doing their duty, their responsibility. The master does not owe thanks to the servants. But do the servants owe thanks to the master? And in this case, in the case of servants of Jesus, do we owe thanks to our master, Jesus? Absolutely, because look what happens immediately after that. Look what Luke tells us, starting in verse 11 of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So first here we see the healing of ten, the healing of ten lepers. Now we are not told which village this was, just that it was somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. And along the way there, Jesus encounters these ten lepers. Lepers have leprosy, obviously, right? (laughs) What is leprosy? Well, as you may very well know, it is a terrible and highly contagious disease. In leprosy, it is a bacteria which damages the nerves, and it may cause that person then not to feel pain. Now, you may think, well, what's wrong with that? That boy, if you're going to get a disease, wouldn't leprosy be a good one? You get this, uh, and you can't feel pain? What's wrong with that? Well, did you know that pain sometimes serves a good purpose, right? Because here's the problem. What would happen is this, because they were no longer sensitive to that pain, they would lose then parts of their extremities from repeated injuries or infection through unnoticed wounds. And that would happen then with that. And so this condition then was a very dangerous then, not only to the, the person who had it, but because it was so contagious also then to the health and the well-being of others. Now, when we talk about leprosy in the Bible, there is that condition that we just spoke of, but it would also, it was a term that was used for all manner of, of, of uh, diseases or skin uh, diseases or afflictions there. And so all of these things then were, were called leprosy in the Bible there. And so there were some who would have this leprosy, it was some kind of skin infection, and it would go away, or the person might be healed. God would heal them. So the book of Leviticus, though, gave some very strict regulations then for how God's people were to handle this. And if you had leprosy, you had to, you were required, you had to move away from the community, move away from your family, move away to the community. Uh, we have an expression, leper colony, right? That's where that comes from. They would leave their family, leave their community, and they would go and they had to live with other lepers then. And so they would be away from their family, away from the community, away from the fellowship of the community. 
And uh, whenever anyone might come near them, they were required to do what? They were required to shout out and to warn people, and they were to say, unclean, unclean. I remember uh, whenever I I come across this this story here or or, or mentions of this in the scripture, uh, we had a vacation Bible school. It was a few years back now. Uh, But one of the stories in our our lesson time concerned Jesus healing the lepers. And, of course, we were acting out some of the the stories here. And so we had some of the kids then who were going to portray the lepers. They were in the leper colony, and we instructed them, you know, so, like, when somebody starts walking toward you, what are you supposed to do? Yell, unclean, unclean. Now, I want to know, I want you to want to ask you, how many, how, how many of you think that those kids really went over the top shouting and screaming, unclean, unclean? Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They really got into the spirit of the story there with that. So whenever I read this, I can still hear those kids shouting that. How many of you know that, that sometimes it's amazing how much louder children's voices are than adults even? There's something about that, right? So they, they would do that then, so... So anyway, so yeah, if you were to come near them, the leper had to shout out, unclean, unclean, to warn the person to stay away. I said sometimes, though, that condition would improve or perhaps they would be healed. And if they had thought perhaps they had been healed, they were to go then to the priests. And the priests would then inspect them and determine then if it was safe for them to rejoin their families and their community then. So needless to say, if one was a leper, if you had this, it was a miserable condition, physically, certainly, but it was also miserable emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. It was a very sad and lonely life. By the way, I think there's a spiritual parallel here in Jesus' healing of lepers. You know, when Jesus did these miracles, there were many reasons why he would do the miracles. Sometimes it was simply an act of compassion uh, on, from his heart. It was sometimes giving insight into who he was as the Messiah and what he could do. But I think it also then was giving insight into the spiritual parallels. Like, for example, when he would open physically blind eyes, that was picturing how he could, what, open spiritually blind eyes. And I think with the healing of the leper, and there were many lepers that Jesus healed, I think this affliction, which caused people, what, to be, to be away, to, to, to be leading a sad and lonely, miserable existence uh, in which one was numb to the realities of what was going, I think that Jesus, in healing them, there's a parallel to that, how he would heal them from that affliction where then they could feel again and they could rejoin and be a part of a community again. I think there is a a parallel for that in Jesus healing lepers, not only physically, but oftentimes how there would be spiritual healing as well then in that case. So here is Jesus then. These lepers see him. And they lift up their voices and they're shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was a cry for help. Undoubtedly, they had heard of Jesus and they had heard of his power to heal. And so when they saw him, they shouted out for help, saying, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. Interesting, when Jesus saw them, He said what? Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, they had not been healed yet, but he said, go. 
and show yourself to the priests. Now, why were they to go to the priests? That's what they were instructed to do, right? And if the, if the priest verified that they were healed, then they could rejoin the community. And so Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. They had not been healed yet. But when they heard that, what did they do? They went. They acted in faith. They were not yet healed, but as they were on their way to the priests, it was then that they were cleansed. So they responded in faith to what Jesus told them to do. And as they were on their way, they were healed, all ten of them. By the way, then, it's, uh, this story reminds us here, Jesus does not always heal in the same way every time, does he? When we look in the scriptures at the miracles of Jesus, the healings of Jesus, you see that it was not always the same for every person. For example, sometimes it had to do with proximity or being how close one was to Jesus. Sometimes what they were right there in the presence of Jesus, where, and he would even physically touch them, or, they would, or that person would touch Jesus. On the other hand, sometimes it was what, at a distance here. Jesus was not standing right next to them. Now, other lepers, uh, uh, healings, he was right there, and he even touched them. And no doubt, that, that must have really freaked out some of the people who were watching. They're watching Jesus t- uh, touch these lepers, right? But sometimes he wasn't right there. It was from a distance. And we even have instances where, where Jesus it wasn't even in, 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 in physical, visual range. It was, he was far away. He would simply give the word, and it would be done. So we see sometimes there was a proximity issue. Sometimes there, it was in stages. Sometimes Jesus would heal, and it was an instant and total and complete healing. And then other times, though, there was, it happened in stages. The healing didn't come fully and completely right away, but it unfolded over time. Uh, also, there were differences sometimes on action that may or may not have been required on the part of the recipient. Sometimes the, the recipient didn't need to do anything at all. Jesus just did it. Other times, Jesus required that person to do something, right? In this, what, this was one, they, it was at a distance, and they were told to do what? They had to go and tell the priest, right? Other times, he would say like a blind man, he put mud on his eyes and told him to go and wash, Right? So sometimes there was action required on the part of the recipient, and sometimes there wasn't. Sometimes, what about faith? Sometimes the person had little or no faith, but Jesus healed them anyway. Other times, Jesus required faith. Greater faith, even, right? So we see, when in Jesus, then, as, as he was healed these people in the Scriptures, It wasn't always the same way. And there were differences about proximity, stages, action, faith, all of these things. I think when we read that, we conclude that that he sovereignly determines what he will do in each case for his own reasons. Why did he do it differently like that? Why does he, why does he, do, why does he operate differently in our lives in different circumstances? 
Why does he operate differently in one person's life than in another person's life? And the answer is, I don't know. Right? I don't know. We'll ask him, right? And it's also true, though, again, in his sovereign will and reasons, sometimes he chooses not to heal physically here and now. Right? We may pray. We may believe. We're doing everything we think we need to do, but that healing, that physical healing, does not come here and now. And we wonder why. And again, the answer I would say is what? I don't know. We'll ask him. (laughs) We'll ask him. But no, he does not always heal here and now. But let me ask you, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever your situation may be, will he ultimately physically heal all of his servants? Yes, absolutely. And more so. Now somebody's like, wait a minute, you you contradicted yourself. You said sometimes he doesn't heal. And now you just said, but yet he will heal all of his servants. Well, it's no contradiction. It's a matter of what? Time. (laughs) His time, right. So yes, he will physically heal all of his servants, all who believe in him. But actually, it's better than that. He's going to do something better than healing. He's going to do what? Resurrect. He's going to resurrect. He's going to do something better than healing these mortal bodies. He's going to change them and transform them for in, in glorious resurrected bodies that will never get sick, that will never die, never, never need to be healed, right? So we have something better than healing, and that is the hope of the resurrection. And in, until then, all the whys and the wherefores of what he does, why he does it, and how, or why he doesn't do what we want, I don't know. But what can we do and should do? Trust him. He can give thanks that he is going to do everything he has promised to do. So all ten of these lepers have been healed. But then Luke tells us, starting in verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So we see the healing of the ten and the gratitude of one. The gratitude of one. 
So one of the ten, they'd all ten had been physically healed. But one of them, when he saw that he had been healed as he was on his way, stops. He's grateful. He turns back and he gives praise to God. And he comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet, giving him thanks. And the text tells us he was a Samaritan. Now, this is not unusual in the text, is it, where we see who are the people that we expect to get it, to understand, to be obedient to God's word, to give proper praise and thanks. Well, shouldn't it be God's own people, the Jews? And, and yet, a and number, number of them did, right? But many of them did not. And then sometimes then we see examples of here is this despised person, the Samaritan. But nevertheless, he gets it. He understands. And he turns back and goes to give praise to God. And Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine you can almost hear the sadness in Jesus' voice when he says that, can't you? Essentially, he says this, this one comes back and Jesus receives him, isn't it? He says, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Do, are, are, are you hearing the sadness and the grief in that? Disappointment, Right? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The others, his own people, Jews, they had been cleansed, but they didn't think to to give thanks. Only this one. And so when this man came back, and I heard you, Rich, you said it was different, right? This one was different, right? Because he went back, and he didn't just give thanks. Jesus said something else to him. He said what? Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. well. Well, wait a minute. Well, yeah, we know he's well. Yeah, he's been physically healed. No, I think there's more going on. There's a difference. What is, what is this wellness Jesus speaks of here, do you think? It's a spiritual healing. It was a heart healing. It was his faith that he had a brand new relationship with God as a result of that. So this man was not only physically healed, he was spiritually healed. They had all been physically healed, but only one was also spiritually healed. And which is the more important between the physical healing and the spiritual healing? The spiritual healing, right? Now, the, the, the physical healing is good, but the spiritual healing is far more important than that, isn't it? So this man, he returned to thank Jesus, and he received a far greater healing. And I think there's a, a lesson or a message in that for us, for you and me, that as servants of Jesus, when we practice gratitude, We open our hearts up, we open ourselves up to Jesus for him to reveal more of himself to us, 
to receive more of his goodness and his grace, for us to receive greater blessings. Who do you think better knows the blessings of walking with Jesus? The the one who gives thanks and praise or the one who's not thankful? The one who gives thanks and praise, right? Because we're opening our hearts up to him to reveal more of himself to us, to receive more of his goodness and his blessings. All the blessings that are associated with redemption. He is worthy of our gratitude, isn't he? But as we open our hearts up and express that gratitude to him, he reveals more of himself to us. And there's more healing that takes place in our lives through that, isn't there? This takes us, Luke takes us next, then he says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So we see the healing of the ten, the gratitude of one, and then why are we talking about the kingdom now and the coming of the kingdom? Well, here's a little sneak preview that we're given here is that these healings, physical and spiritual, are pointing to something else. It leads us to a conversation about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It leads us to a discussion about the nature of the kingdom, which we will explore in more depth next time. But for today then, just now to know, the kingdom of heaven is both now and not yet. Are we living in the kingdom of, the, of heaven right now? Yes, we are. Are we fully experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of heaven? Not yet. So it is now and not yet. The kingdom of heaven has both physical and spiritual dimensions. Is the kingdom of heaven a purely spiritual rule of reign of Christ in our hearts? It is that, but is that all it is? No, it also has physical, earthly elements to it, doesn't it? But again, that's the what? Not yet. It is both external and internal. It is external, it concerns the people around us, this world, but it is also an internal kingdom of our own hearts and minds as well. The kingdom is all of these things and more. But more on that to come. For now, though, I want us to focus on the gratitude. The gratitude that we saw in the Samaritan leper who was cleansed. Gratitude is what? Is, is, is practicing an awareness. It's a consciousness of something that's been done for us, a benefit that we have received. It's acknowledging the source of that benefit. And it's expressing appreciation to the source of that benefit. I do find it interesting, and sometimes, you know, pe- people will, will ask this question, you'll see it oftentimes at Thanksgiving every year, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about being thankful and giving thanks and what are we thankful for. And sometimes the question is asked, why do people feel this need 
to give thanks for something, say folks who don't believe in God, yet they feel a need to give thanks, I wonder, to whom exactly are they giving thanks then, right? So ultimately our thanks, now we can give thanks for the people in our lives and and many good things, but ultimately all thanks is due to whom? To God, right? So it's being conscious of what God has done, acknowledging that he is the source of that and expressing appreciation to him for it. It is an attitude that we, that we cultivate, but it's also a practice that we do. It's an attitude of heart and mind, but it results in a practice of what? Of expressing it to him and telling others. We read earlier in Psalm 105, what? About tell others of his wondrous deeds. That's a part of gratitude, is telling it to others. Right? It is a choice. Do we always feel grateful? Well, (laughs) and sometimes it's a choice that we make, regardless of circumstances. And by the way, do we give thanks uh, for everything that happens in our lives? No, we give thanks in everything that happens. Because some things, we experience very painful things, difficult things, evil things in this life, don't we? And we don't give thanks for those evil things or those painful things, but we give thanks what in that because God is with us and God is faithful and God is working for ultimate good through it. It is a thanks for the good that we recognize then the source ultimately of every blessing. James tells us in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from God, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's that unfaithfulness. He never changes, right? And so we give thanks for God, for his goodness, for his blessing, and we give thanks in all things because God is with us and we have hope. We have eternal hope. So I ask you, as, as believers in Christ, do we have anything for which to be thankful? Everything. Quite a few things. Quite a few, the everything. In fact, I like this, I love this term. It's one of my favorite terms in scripture. It's this little phrase right here, every spiritual blessing. I want us to reflect on that today for a little bit. Every spiritual blessing. It's found in Ephesians chapter one. I want to read this passage in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14 here. And as I read this, I want you to listen. Listen carefully and see, and maybe you want to even count it up on your fingers if you want to do it that way. As I'm reading this passage here, I want you to, we we have that expression, count your blessings. I want you to count the blessings in this passage here for which we can give thanks. Paul is writing here, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us 
and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. And the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. You know, as I was reading through that, I, start, I ran out of fingers, so I had to start over again. I had about 17 just that came just reading through there. How many did you get? 17 blessings in that one passage for which to give thanks and give praise, right? So what are some of the blessings of of salvation, of redemption that we have in Christ? Well, of course, there's the forgiveness of our sin. It's rescue from eternal judgment, rescue from hell. It is peace with God. We are no longer at war with God. He's no longer at war with us. But he is our friend. He is our heavenly father. It's acceptance. It's total, eternal acceptance. Do you ever think about that? Do you know that as a child of God, when you've placed your faith in him, you are totally, eternally accepted by him and he will never cast you away. Adoption. He has adopted you into his family. You're a child of God. It's access to the throne of grace that we can go to him boldly at any time with any need or any concern and, and deposit that concern there before them at the throne of grace. It's sovereign wisdom and good purpose knowing that he is working ultimately for good in and through all things. I'm not saying that everything that happens to us is good. But what I am saying is that he can work for good eternally through that, even when, and especially when, we can't see that or understand that right now. But he has sovereign purposes in that. And then we give thanks for our hope, our biblical hope. Many of you know this, you've heard this before, but I just want to share it briefly if you're newer uh, with us here. 
that when the Bible speaks of hope, it's speaking of something that is a sure and certain promise of God. Hope, when we use that in our everyday language, expresses a wish or a desire that may or may not come true. We hope for something. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But when the Bible speaks of hope, it doesn't mean that. It is a sure and certain promise of God. It absolutely will happen. And what is our hope? Well, some of those are what? Eternal life. Think about it. It doesn't mean exist. Eternal life doesn't mean existing forever. We will exist forever. But no, it's eternal life. It's a state of blessedness and goodness forever in the presence of God. That's eternal life. It's perfect righteousness. You know, have you ever, do you ever get disgusted with yourself and you can't understand why am I doing this? What is wrong with me? <laughs> Did you know your sins have been forgiven in Christ? But one day those sins and those proclivities to sin, all of that is going to be completely removed and you will not have any desire. You won't even be tempted by sin, but you will be righteous and holy and pure just as he is. You'll never be troubled by it again. It's the hope of the resurrection, the resurrected body a new body that will never get sick, will never get old, will never die. It's heavenly reward. You know, what we do right here, right now, matters. Remember we said uh, our lives are this. What is this compared to eternity? But yet what we do in this impacts that eternity, doesn't it? God says when we are faithful to him, that he sees that and he won't forget, he will not forget a a cup of cold water given in his name and he will reward that forever and ever. And it's the blessing of the new heaven and the new earth. God isn't just redeeming or saving people. He's gonna redeem and make the whole creation new. And we will share in that and we will rule and reign with him forever on a new earth in which the curse has been lifted. Until then, he's with us. He promised what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. His continual faithful presence. It's temporal blessings here. It's answers to prayer. So when I think, what am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for all those things I just mentioned. But I'm also thankful for his faithfulness to me even when I have not been faithful to him. I am thankful for this church, for the people of this church and your love and the goodness that you express to me every day. I'm thankful for friends, that God has given me very good friends. And I am thankful then too for the way God has acted in my life, but how I see him acting in your lives, how I see him acting in the lives of my friends. I'll tell you very, very briefly here, um, what a, what a wonderful story of, of, of an answer to prayer here. A good friend of mine, just uh, it was right before the 4th of July holiday, had a, uh, they have a, a beloved family dog named Lily, Lilibet, or Lily. Uh, she's a golden doodle. And of course, they love this. this uh, do we have any pet lovers here? Uh, I think we, we do, right? Well, my friend had, had taken Lily out for a little bit. Uh, it was the Saturday night before the 4th of July taking her out as one does and they were out in the yard and there was a neighbor that was shooting off some fireworks and you know how it is sometimes for some animals with 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 fireworks and she just she got spooked and she boom she took off she ran and uh and of course he took off after her but 
the dog was much faster than he is, and, and, uh, and the dog got away. So that was a Saturday night, and so they were, he was up all night driving around looking for Lily. The next day, Sunday, all day looking. They got it out of neighbors, friends, everyone in the whole area was looking for this dog, but she was not to be found. Went into Monday. She was still not to be found. And uh, you begin to worry, you know, <laughs> uh, of course, at that time. How many of you have, have, lost, have lost a pet, you know, like that? And you, you know the, the heartache that there is with that. So a lot of us were praying. There was a sighting on Monday, but she got away. <laughs> again, she ran away again. And so I was talking with him, and we prayed. We said, you know, and we prayed, Lord, we know that you are the sovereign Lord of the universe. You have created all things. You have created this creature, including Lily. And Lord, we know that you as the, as the creator, you can, speak into, you can speak into her mind. And so, Lord, we're asking you, Lord, would you speak to her, speak into her mind, tell her to, to go to some, that she, we pray that she will see someone she knows and that she can trust and she knows will be, is safe. Pray, Lord, that she will see that, a person that, and, and she'll go to that person. So we prayed that on Monday. Still nothing. Tuesday, okay, now it's the 4th of July. And you know what's going to happen that night with all that. Still nothing. Wednesday. Wednesday morning, we get a call. Guess what? She saw someone she knew, and she walked right up to her. And that woman, you know, was able to get a hold of her <laughs> and keep her then. And so Lily was reunited then with my friend and, the, and their family. Now, we had prayed all along. We didn't know how God, we, we were praying that God would do that. But we submit to his sovereign will in these things. But we prayed that God would do that, and he did, and he brought Lily home. That's just one example of many that I know we could all give of how God acts in our lives. And you know what? Even if, if Lily had not come home, God is still good, isn't he? But we give thanks. We give thanks. So what? What am I going to do with this? I want to remind us, gratitude pleases and glorifies God, and he is pleased then to reveal more of himself to us. So what are we going to do today? Give praise. That's the application right there. Give praise. Give thanks. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this great hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that through him we do have the gift of eternal life. We do have the forgiveness of sins and the, the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Christ. We thank you that we have the hope of the resurrection, that we're going to live and rule and reign with you in resurrected, glorified bodies that will never get sick, never get old, never die. We pray, Lord, that it matters what we do right now, that you're going to remember every single thing done for you that honors you. And you will reward that forever and ever and ever. And we thank you, Lord, that you are not only redeeming us, you are going to redeem the whole creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And we will enjoy that and enjoy you forever and ever and ever. So, Lord, I pray that we will have hearts of gratitude. 
that we would give you thanks, Lord, for all of the blessings, but also, though, even in the painful things, the hardships and the difficulties, give thanks to you that you are with us, that you are working for good, and that we have hope. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.